0: You'd think after all these years of preaching that I would be smart enough to know that there was no way I was going to be able to preach this whole passage in one sermon, but I was uh, hard-headed and tried, and um, I, uh, I cried, uncle. We're only going to look at verse 25 and verse 28 today, and then we'll... Just keep going with this passage until we've preached every, until, um, yeah, preached every every verse here because this is such an important uh, passage of scripture, and there's so much here that I think we need to to settle in and and hear the word and and uh, meditate on it and um, let the word of God. Or, or rather, obey the word and be who we are in Christ. So, let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, thanking you for your great grace to us. We thank you that you have changed us, that we are new creations in Christ. And so, as we consider this passage, help us to be in our life who we are in our union with Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Joy to the World was written by the great English hymn writer Isaac Watts. And the hymn represents uh, Watts' Christ-centered interpretation of Psalm 98. And the third stanza reads, Let are no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as, far as the curse is found. Watts is not simply talking about the return of Christ when Christ will make all things perfect. He's talking about that, but he's talking about something more. He's talking about what Christ has done for Christians in their salvation. When we come to Jesus Christ, the curse of the fall that has held us fast bound in slavery to sin, that curse is reversed. We are new creations in Christ. We are awakened from our spiritual deadness. And the image of God, which was so distorted, even turned upside down on its head, has been restored to us in Jesus Christ. We now have a new self created, as Paul says in verse 24, after the likeness of God in true righteousness. And true holiness. And because we are a new creation in Christ, with the image of God restored in us, if you were a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you no longer are what you once were. Uh, You have become something that is completely and entirely different. I want you to pause. And let your mind rest on this on this truth. Don't overlook it. You really are truly different. For the past two centuries, most of the preaching of the gospel has put the emphasis almost entirely on the decision—the decision a person makes to follow Jesus—and so much attention has been uh, uh, placed on that decision that it's common for Christians to think of their salvation mostly in terms of the choice that they have made. They see themselves as people who have chosen to follow Jesus Christ with eternal life attached to them. Uh, to think of, they think of themselves, or rather, to think of themselves as completely and truly different Uh, creations in Christ, with the image of God restored in our soul, is at best de-emphasized and oftentimes ignored completely because all the attention's on the decision that I made. Don't let this doctrine... Uh, go overlooked or ignored in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. You really and truly are different. You are a new self, to use Paul's language in verse 24. And so remind yourself daily of this new reality. Uh, it will reinforce and encourage the way uh, you look at yourself as a Christian. It will recall to your mind that you are no longer a slave to sin when you are uh, being deeply tempted to return to your old habits. It will fortify your soul by prodding you to remember that you have a new power for obedience because the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside you. The Holy Spirit has made uh, your soul his home. For your growth in Jesus Christ it's vital to remember that you are a new creation. This is the overriding message that Paul is stressing here in Ephesians 4, verses 17 through 32. And so we've talked about this the past couple of weeks. Most simply, Paul is telling us to be who we are in Jesus Christ. In our passage this morning in verses 25 through 32, Paul is giving us some practical instruction in how we are to be our new selves. Paul's method for instruction in verses 25 through 32 continues to use his metaphor of changing clothing. Put off the old self, put on the new self. So he uses this idea of putting off and putting on. And you'll see uh, as, uh, as he goes through verses 25 through 32, he starts with the negative. He says, stop doing this. This is the put off. Stop doing this. And then he goes to the positive. He says, do this. And then... He tells us why we are to do this. Um, So, for instance, look at verse 25. In verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Put away falsehood, that's the negative. Then let each of, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Well, that's the positive. Uh, that's the positive that must replace uh, the old way of self-centeredly telling lies. And then he tells us why it's important that we speak the truth with others. Because we are members um, of one another in the body of Christ. So that's a general pattern you'll see in these verses. The negative, the positive, and then the reason uh, attached to the positive. Now, before we look at these details, and I know I'm about halfway through the sermon right now. I'm on page uh, 5 of 10. Um, I, I, and I haven't even started expositing the passage yet, but I notice on occasion. That um, parents will try to only be positive with their children. I've not noticed it in this congregation, Um, but uh, they'll try to never tell their children no. Um, Telling them no is negative, it will hurt their self esteem. Being told no can create feelings of guilt in the children, it can make them feel judged. It can make them feel as if you, as their parents, are being critical of them. Well, I have two comments about this. First, what can really hurt your children is using the world's pop psychology as the guide for how to raise your children. Uh, Being told no on occasion is not harmful. In fact, it's positively beneficial. And so Paul here is telling us, uh, he uses negatives all the way through this passage. Don't steal any longer. Let no corrupting thought or or talk come from your mouths. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. But he doesn't always only say no. He also gives the positive um, side of the command, and then he gives the reasons. For the positive. And so uh, Paul uses this pattern in teaching the church. I think that this can be a wise pattern for parents in teaching the children. So Paul is speaking here to Christians. And so he addresses them accordingly in verse 25. As we begin to look at verse 25, he tells them that they must put away all falsehood. They have been delivered from the lies and the deceit which typifies the way that the world works. They are now united to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the king of truth and they are now in him. And to continue to speak falsely or to deceive others is contrary to who we are in Jesus Christ. We now have the image of God restored in us. We are, therefore, to reflect his character. Titus chapter 1 verse 2 says that God never lies. And we have been brought into fellowship with the eternally truthful God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So let me ask you, do you live a life with an honest character? Uh, does God's truthfulness reflect in your life? And the root issue that is before us is that before we came to Jesus Christ, the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I uh, controlled our lives. Our nature was controlled by self to enhance our self-esteem. We'd lie to others about who we were or what we'd done. To protect our reputation, we'd withhold truth. Or live falsely in front of others. We'd put on airs. To get ahead, we might even cheat. But now that we are in Christ, the old way of living must be put into the past. It must be put away. Or as Paul says in in, uh, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, it must be put to death. However, we must not stop there. We must replace the falsehood with truth. Christ did not just refrain from telling lies when he was here on earth. He spoke truthfully. He only spoke truthfully. And we are to be growing more and more each day to reflect the character of Christ in our own lives. Listen to Sinclair Ferguson. He says, there is no progress in holiness unless we put away what belongs to our old lifestyle and put on what belongs to the new one, and we're to do that simultaneously, continually putting off and putting on. And he continues, to attempt to do one without the other leads only to failure putting away the old lifestyle is not the same as growing to be more like Christ. And then Ferguson goes on to say, On the other hand... It is fatal to think that we can grow in positive likeness to Christ without rigorously rejecting lingering sinful dispositions and habits. That would be like seeking to plant flowers in a garden infested by weeds without either weeding or using weed killer. Put off, but don't stop there. Put on. Don't leave a vacuum. What did Jesus say Uh, when you go and you clean out a house of of the demons and then ten more come and fill in its place? I think the same principle is, is here at work. Don't put off without putting on. And don't simply try to put on without first putting off. And at the end of verse 25, Paul gives the reason why being truthful is so important. And remember, he's speaking to the church. He says it's important that we speak the truth with uh, one another, with our neighbor, because we are members of one body. We are united together in Jesus Christ here at Westminster Presbyterian Church. We are one church family. Therefore, we must rely on mutual trust. We must rely on uh, mutual honesty, one with another. Lying is hurtful of our fellowship. It creates suspicion within the body. Whether in a church family or in a nuclear family, lying is damaging to a family. In some cases, it can be destructive. There are so many ways that we can sin against each other. But when we add lying on top of the sin in order to try and cover up or or protect ourselves, it multiplies the hurtful damage many fold. It's best to be up front and confess something honestly even if it brings you embarrassment. It's better to be up front and confess something rather than trying to cover it up with lies. So care for your fellow church family members by practicing truthfulness one with another. Be who you are in Christ, Westminster Presbyterian Church. And then I said, we'll be skipping verses 26 and 27. Um, uh, I plan to preach on righteousness and on righteous and unrighteous anger on January 7th. Uh, so we'll move on to verse 28. So in verse 28, it might seem odd that, God, that Paul would have to tell the Christians in Ephesus to stop stealing. But many of the uh, church members in Ephesus, we know uh, from history, uh, many of them were from the more impoverished classes of people. Stealing had undoubtedly been a regular part of their life. Uh, plus, there were likely uh, many merchants in the congregation. Ephesus was a was a very uh, big city with a lot of commerce, and so. Um, a lot of merchants among the membership, and they might have very well have been underhanded in their business dealings. So look what Paul tells them in verse 28. He says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. To quit stealing, well, that seems like that would be a bit easier than quitting lying. Uh, but for some who had habits of stealing, the struggle probably persisted. And at one at, at this point, I want to add a word of clarification about our new life in Jesus Christ. We are new creations with new desires with desires to love God and obey Him. We have new purposes. Uh, We even have a new power because the Holy Spirit is living inside us. But there may be sins and old habits that continue to plague us. The struggle with these sins can persist even as we are trying with God's help to put them to death. You may grow daily, in grace for decades. And the struggle will probably grow less intense with those besetting sins, with those sins that, uh, that you continue to struggle with. But they may and very likely do continue to persist. Uh, and this is normal in the Christian life. I think God sometimes allows the struggle to continue in us to help us to keep our gaze and our reliance uh, on God rather than thinking that we have somehow arrived. So we're told that we are uh, to no longer steal. Stealing is a shameful sin. It involves deception of others. It involves self-centeredness. It involves an entire lack of care and respect for the victim of the theft. It's treacherous and evil uh, if you get re- really right down to the the root of it. but as with putting away falsehoods, it's not enough to simply stop stealing. Uh, I used to ask this all the time. Some of you may remember it from years past. When is a thief no longer a thief? A thief is no longer a thief when he becomes a generous person. You can take a thief, you can throw him in jail, you can nail down everything that he could possibly steal, and in his heart he's still a thief. But if he becomes a generous person, It's going to be nearly impossible for him to steal because he is going to be more motivated by how he can bless another rather than how he can take from another. So it's not enough to simply put away falsehoods. Um, Rather, we must become generous. I'm sorry, not falsehoods. uh, Put away stealing and we must become generous. So, and to practice generosity, you must work hard enough so that you can provide for yourself and your family and have some left over for those in our church family who might be in need. We're not simply to work to acquire more and more and more, we are to put ourselves in a position to share with others our money. After all, is not our own. We are simply stewards of the resources that God has given us. And since it's Christmas Eve, the day before we exchange gifts, I should probably remind you that our Lord Jesus said it is more blessed to give than receive. I hope that that is echoing in your ears tomorrow, young children among us. How are you doing In the area of generosity, do you look for ways that you can share with those in need? I got to say, very truthfully, I think this congregation is very generous. As the pastor, I I get to be privy and sometimes the go-between in some of the generosity. And I get to see some of the secret ways that generosity is shared in our church And it warms my heart and I want to encourage you in that because I think that is the strength of this congregation. Notice that we are not just to be generous, but we are also to be hardworking. Look again at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Before the COVID pandemic, and especially afterwards, the work ethic of our nation is pitiful. Uh, Instead of working and saving, people are taking out credit cards for instant gratification. Many are mortgaging their futures in order to seek gratification and indulgence here in the present. You know, I just heard on the, the radio that our, um, our credit card debt as a nation has just recently topped $1 trillion. Uh, this is not sustainable, <laughs> not sustainable at all. In fact, it's, 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 it's very worrisome. As our nation becomes more and more godless, our nation is becoming more and more lazy. Work is good. There is dignity in hard work. In the Garden of Eden, God told Adam to work. Genesis 2, verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And as the world seeks enjoyment, seeks pleasure, seeks ease of life, One of the great ways that we can testify to our faith in Jesus Christ is to be honest, hardworking employees in our jobs. Now, I know some of you are in government work, and you start working too hard and the boss is going to come down on you. I understand that. That is a part of reality. I don't know what the answer would be for that, except being honest. Uh, hard-working employee as much as you are able to be and you will you will be a bright and shining light testifying to the Lord Jesus Christ in this lazy nation that we have become so don't be like the world look outside yourself Work hard as a follower of Jesus Christ. Work hard because work is good. Work hard and deny yourself so that the, other, the needs of others um, might be met. This is the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be who you are by the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. And if you don't have this life, if your life is only like the world and your only concern is self, my exhortation to you this morning is lay down your life at the feet of Jesus Christ. Trust in him because he will make you a new creation in Christ. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I do pray as I opened this um, sermon, um, make us to be who we are, and as we are who you have made us to be, give us that joy that Isaac Watts wrote about, and, um, and make us to shine for Jesus. We ask in his name, amen.